Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning. What a beautiful, beautiful day in the Rocky Mountains. Uh, Last week, we were talking about would we be on the ice by this weekend and would we be ice fishing and would the boat ramp stay open? Well, some and all of that is true and some and none of that is true. It's going to be an interesting week. It's going to be 70s today, pretty warm tomorrow. Cool day on Monday. Uh, I think any thoughts of any front range ice have gone away, and uh, we're seeing the boat ramps will stay open probably through November in most of those places, and we're experiencing some great fall fishing, which we'll be talking about today. Um, There are a few places in the mountains that are either iced up or close, but as we will talk later, too, uh, it's just very sketchy right now. Be really, re- unless you're at very high altitude, be very, very, uh, very cautious. We'll talk about that. We are starting our uh, Legends of Ice Fishing series that we do almost every year today. And we reach out to some friends of mine from the industry and we start talking ice fishing, both where ice fishing has come from and now, and what are the new trends now and the new pieces of equipment and new techniques. And we'll be doing that. We're going to feature some of the um, most famous ice fishermen in the world. You're going to have uh, the godfather of ice fishing, Dave Gantz, on in a couple weeks. A week after that, we're going to have Steve Panaz from Lake Commandos and Greg Claggio, who, along with me, was one of the original members of the first ice team with Fish Trap and Clam back in the 90s. Uh, We formed that, and prior to that, Greg and I used to host the Minnesota Masters of Ice Fishing, where some of the biggest names in the industries would come fish with us. And uh, today, uh, Brian Bro Brosdahl is going to join us in the second hour. And if you've seen his picture, he's that uh, cherub-faced uh, man with the big red goatee, and he is an extremely accomplished ice fisherman. I've been fortunate to uh, spend time on the water and ice with all these gentlemen, and they're just just going to bring a lot of knowledge. But we're going to cover a lot of other things, too. In fact, talking about that, let's go right to the phones because we're going to cover a plethora of information with this young man. Joining us from Discount Tackle is Austin Parr. Good morning, Austin. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me as usual. Yeah, it's a, it's a interesting time of the year. It always is. You know, I think we get fooled sometimes. We think the weather's going to do one thing and it does another, and then it's in and out. We still get lots of good days. There's so much going on. You know, we've got big game hunting. We've got Upland game starting today, I believe. We're in the middle of, I think, the second split for waterfall. Uh, We've got duck and goose hunting. We're going to talk about all that. We've got, uh, you know, ice fishing maybe starting in the mountains. Might be a little sketchy. We've definitely got open water fishing going on here. And a lot of great fly fishing going on. It's hard to pick your poison, isn't it? It really is. I mean, there's just so many fantastic opportunities to take advantage of at the moment. And many of those opportunities, it's some of the best times to do it over the course of the entire year, whether you're you know, looking to get out and, and walleye fish, some of that can be really, really fantastic. And if you can get up to the high country, some of that early ice can be good too. But as you mentioned uh, right off the bat there, certainly being safe with that uh, and being very, very cautious right now is, is definitely something to do. Yeah, let's, uh, you know, let's start there. We're going to talk about all these different things and how the weather's affecting every one of them. And every one of them is uh, experiencing some good and bad things right now. Ice fishing, obviously, in the front range, it's it, we're going to have to wait. It's going to be two, three weeks, probably closer to Thanksgiving. 
Uh, even in some of the mountain lakes, it'll be, and a lot of the lakes in the Front Range are closer to Christmas, but we're not ready yeah. for that here yet, obviously. But there are some mountain lakes. I did a little checking. I couldn't find any reports. You know, I'm sure there's a few guys up there, but they don't want to share it. Uh, but uh, I know Lake John, I talked to them. They had up to three, inch, three inches of ice at one point, but they've got open water at other places and the shoreline ice, and they're not recommending anybody come up. They're planning to ice fish yet. They think another week or two, and they want to, um, but they're they're catching a lot of really nice fish. And the, if the, water, the lake is frozen in the morning, you get about noon and opens up some channels. They're catching some big fish there. What else have you heard about potential ice fishing? Yeah, so Antero and Carryall have had ice fishermen on them this year so far, and early it was it was decently safe at about four inches. But right now we're starting to see a lot of that ice erode, especially with some of these warm temperatures we're going to be seeing today. So I'd probably avoid a lot of that at the moment. But really high elevation, small lakes. A lot of guys have been taken advantage of for brook trout and some tiger trout here and there, and and uh, certainly some cutthroats as well. So those those have definitely been good. But other than that, anything at the, that little bit lower elevation, even when we're talking about that 9,000, 9,500-foot 9, kind of range, is just not quite ready yet. So if you're looking for the ice fishing, although I have all the products in the store now, it, it's, it's not quite time to really get after it. Um, even at places like the Snake River Inlet, which typically is some of the first ice that had decent ice to start with and now has all of a sudden not had the, the greatest of ice again. So maybe wait another week on that one as well. Yeah, and let's talk, you know, this is a great time to get ready. You know, I almost panicked when we had that cold weather set in because I had to go on assignment to Houston. I wasn't going to be able to get my ice fishing stuff ready. I haven't changed the line or checked the line, checked the rods. You've got to do all that. But, you know, if you don't have a spud bar for this early ice, to me, that's the number one tool you need to own. Absolutely. And, And whether or not you think the ice is safe, there certainly could be changing conditions across the entire lake. So utilizing a big, heavy spud bar to really hit that ice as you're walking out onto it and really make sure that you're going to be always safe, especially when we're talking about front-range ice later on and with springs that can be involved where you'll have six or seven inches of ice and going to basically no inches of ice uh, within just a couple of steps. Just using that spud bar to make sure to, to stay safe all the way out is is 100% critical. Well, and it- Folks, if you don't know what a spud bar is, it's a very long, heavy ice chisel. Usually they're, what do you think, about five feet long probably? Yep, something to give you a nice little bit of reach out in front of you. And they've got some weight to them. And the idea is you take and you strike the ice as hard as you can with it. And then, you know, at least there's a little bit of solid ice there. Then you take the chisel and you work a little bit in to see what there is. If you want to see um, how it's used... If you go to my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, go to North Michigan Reservoir. I do a little clinic on using electronics and how you watch your bait and the fish respond. But I also start the show on the ice, a freshly frozen lake that had frozen, thawed, refrozen, had different layers of different colors of ice, and kind of teach you how I look for ice safety. Now, I'm not telling you that any ice is safe, but if you use common sense, ice fishing is safe. And then I also posted on my Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, a um, a government chart of how much good new clear ice will support a person walking, a person fishing, a vehicle. And they're just guidelines, though, but be careful. Uh, the last thing before we move on from ice fishing, um, Austin, is 
a lot of people, you know, you can get into ice fishing fairly inexpensively because if you go out with your summer gear, you're going to find a hole somebody abandoned probably. You're going to be able to fish in it. So you can start with almost no investment. But if you want to get by with a minimal investment and try to do it right, I always recommend get a couple ice fishing rods. You have so much more control. You can use your summer reels. And then from there, you can go on to things like electronics and shelters. What do you tell people? So I definitely agree with that. And and as far as the, the combos are concerned, you can get into a, a decent little ice combo for in the neighborhood of 30 to $50 to get a generally high-quality piece of equipment. Certainly on the end of that, I like adding a, a light spring bobber tip, which you actually can tape on to the end of your rod. And that spring bobber allows us to detect really light bites, uh, particularly on some of those early-season trout. A handful of jigs might cost you 30 or $40 to get literally everything you need. And, and if you want to get out there with a hand auger early in the season, that can only be 50 bucks as well. So depending upon how many people you're setting up, legitimately for under $200, you can have everything you need outside of the warm weather gear that you might need. All right, let's move on. We think ice fishing, we're going to be talking a lot of ice fishing, even later on in the show, but for the next few weeks. Although next week, probably not, because I'm on assignment in California, and Kirk Dieter's going to host the show, and I'm sure we'll talk fly fishing. He's a editor-at-large for Field and Stream magazine, and he's also the editor of Trout magazine, and an author who lives right here in Colorado. So you fly fishermen are going to want to tune in for that next week. But let's move on to the open water fishing. What are you seeing out there, Austin? So when we're talking about our boating, uh, there still have quite a few different lakes open across the front range here. And places like Chatfield and Cherry Creek that I normally frequent uh, have been somewhat different than what we've seen in the past. Chatfield is, is doing you know fairly well. A lot of fish are starting to move out into that deeper water where our typical spooning and jigging wrap fishing is really starting to pick up. But Cherry Creek, on the other hand, has been quite slow, and, and we've actually been struggling out there quite a bit. So if you're looking to stay in, in the general Denver metro area, Chatfield's definitely one of the places I would recommend. And if you have a bit smaller boat that you can get in on a lower water level, Aurora has also been fishing really well with some of the jigging wraps and the blade baits. But as I mentioned, uh, a big big 20-foot boat, you might struggle to, uh, to get launched with the water level that we're dealing with out there. And then shifting down toward Pueblo, that bite has been really, really productive as of late. Uh, a lot of the walleyes, once again, are starting to move into a little bit more of their wintertime locations on the little bit deeper drop-offs. And then shifting all the way up in the north part of the state, Horsetooth has been fantastic for deeper water smallmouth right now. And I've been hearing that Boyd has also been producing quite a few fish on your jigging wrap and, and blade bait bite. Yeah, I've heard similar things. And by the way, uh, that, um, blade, that spoon and blade bait bite, um, I wrote the chapter on that for In Fisherman's uh, Critical Concept Books on Walleye Fishing. And I did a television show with Tom Bruno, who was a professional walleye trail uh, championship qualifier, it's on my YouTube channel, and it's called Spooning uh, Walleyes, I think, right? It's Spooning at Chatfield. Also did one with Charlie Black, who's caught a record, state record catfish on McConaughey doing that spooning. So we give you a pretty good overview how we approached it. Now, we didn't use the jigging wraps, which have become so popular in the last few years, but we did use uh, spoons and blade baits. So if you go to my YouTube channel, uh, Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, you might see that. The other thing that people are hesitant to, put, to go out this time of the year, Austin, is uh, fly fishing. You know, fly fishermen tend to put the long rods away and start tying flies, which is a great way to pass the winter and things. But, boy, we've got some great river fishing right now and right here close by. Absolutely, especially on a day like this where we're going to be dealing with a 70-degree type temperature it really is a time to get out and fly fish. So if you want to stay close, something like Waterton Canyon, 
or Bear Creek or Clear Creek, all are going to have good opportunities before the ice sets in on some of those smaller bodies of water. Uh, but then Deckers, as usual, uh, although some crowds may be up there, that fishing has been very, very productive with small bluing dollives and little midge patterns, even some eggs still mixed around. But the other thing that I really like fishing as we move toward the wintertime is the, the Pueblo tailwater on the Arkansas River. So down there, there are some truly nice fish, and, and the state has done a fantastic job to get that fishery dialed in to where it's truly one of the premier tailwaters in the state, particularly in the wintertime where you'll have temperatures that are much warmer than what you'd find in the mountains. But small betis, like little juju betis or Thompson's forky betis, can be really productive down there. And then red midge larva is also a very good choice in size anywhere from 18 to 22s few egg patterns can also work throughout the winter down there as well. But that's another location to really, really think about hitting. Well, and I, uh, it's one of my favorite winter times. I used to, and I haven't done it for a while, but I used to kind of drive down or have somebody check for me the flow coming out of that dam, which really influences. And when that flow gets cut down to one or two gates and a certain flow level, those trout just turn on. Remember, that's 40-degree water coming out of the bottom of that lake. And it, it, it's and if you fish close to the reservoir, now they've extended that habitat all the way through town almost. There's great trout fishing. There's some restricted waters. But close to the dam, if you want to take your chance, whether you're a fly fisherman or a spin fisherman, I've caught walleyes. Not In addition to trout, I've caught walleyes. I've caught smallmouth bass. I've caught largemouth bass. I've caught, uh, I've even caught wipers, but I caught a 20-pound catfish in that river, too, right by the dam. Absolutely. I mean, there's just a, a variety of species that are available. You know, and a couple other we don't talk about enough, and that's up where I live, the Big Thompson and the Pooter. Now, the Pooter acts a little more like a freestone river, so its flows are going to go up and down, and it's going to have a little colder water, and it might get some frozen spots. But there's a lot of lower elevation parts of the Pooter that can be excellent fishing, actually all winter long. And the Big Thompson is comes out of a dam, very much like Pueblo does, and that water Absolutely. that water is warmer and stretches. Some of the best winter fly fishing I've ever done happened uh, on the Big Thompson. I was fishing with uh, Kirk from Kirk's Fly Shop, and we found some trout in some deep, isolated pools in February after a 20-below weekend. It had warmed up, and we went out. We could have spent the entire day not moving because those fish were so concentrated that we didn't uh, we didn't even spook them, and we caught one out of there. But there's tremendous opportunities. But before we run out of time, I want to touch on a couple hunting opportunities that are coming up right now. Now, in the next two seg park segments, we're going to talk about um, some waterfall opportunities uh, but we had a kind of a boon happen, a waterfall across the state. And I just want to touch on it real quick, the fact that when we got cold, it got cold all the way up into Saskatchewan and Montana, and those northern ducks started moving. Our resident ducks, and you can confirm this, I believe our resident ducks had kind of moved out, but those other ducks, it warmed up again, and our waters opened up. Those ducks came and they stayed. I think we're going to see migratory ducks here for a few weeks. Yeah, I think that this really is going to be a great November for waterfowl hunting. A lot of times you'll see that during the early part of the season, everything's warm, and then all of a sudden it gets cold, and that's right during the split, which we'll find here in the next couple of weeks, and then all the ducks move past. But that's not going to be the, the, the thing that's going to happen this year. So we've been seeing a lot of ducks out east right now, and those birds are coming down from the north. And with all the warm water that we're, we're – or all the open water, excuse me, that, that we've seen out there, it's really going to hold these numbers of ducks. So everything's locking up as we're up in the Dakotas and in especially southern Canada. 
and these birds are, are moving down, and I think that we're going to ha- have a lot of birds that are going to stick around for a little while. And, and uh, with the weather forecast, it doesn't really look like plains ice is going to form, and, and waterfowl hunters should have fantastic opportunities, uh, particularly, like I said, out east over the next couple of weeks here. Oh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right, and people need to take advantage of that. And we're going to talk more about, we talk quite a bit about the eastern area here, the Platte River, the ponds, going out east on I-76. Um, I think the resident ducks in places like North Park have moved on, and it's cold enough there where I probably would look other places now for ducks. Yeah, it's all locked up there. But keep going across the state, and we're going to talk about some stuff on the western slope where the weather actually even gets a little better than here, and there's some great waterfall uh, blinds and opportunities that they've got set up there. So we'll get we'll get to those. Now, the last thing I want to touch on, we've got to do it real quick because I've got to get to these guys, and that is... Uh, this is the opening of Upland Game, and I've been talking to Ed Gorman, and I know you've been out at least looking around. Everything I'm hearing is that we could be headed for a great pheasant season. Absolutely. We've seen a lot of birds in Colorado so far, you know, throughout dove hunting and some of our scouting trips. Uh, we're still seeing a lot of corn that's standing right now, but they are in the process of cutting a lot of that at the moment. So next couple of weeks really can pr- uh, prove to be really productive out there. Our opening day today on 70 degrees. I anticipate some people may be struggling out there a little bit right now with how much corn there is with those birds spread out so much. But if we can get a couple of good hard cold snaps in conjunction with that corn being cut, uh, it's going to prove to be really good, especially with the amount of pheasants that we're seeing out there right now. Yeah, you're right. I think what's going to happen is as they harvest this corn, we're going to see new habitat become available almost daily. Absolutely. Yeah, every every day and, and getting into some of those corners where those birds may be out in the corn and then all of a sudden you cut that corn and those birds are going to suck right into some of the corner for conservation properties and uh, there's going to be, that'll be the best cover around and you'll be, able to, you'll be able to find a lot of those birds there whereas right now it's going to be difficult to, to get out a lot of birds, like I said, especially when it's really warm like it is today. Well, we're over time, Austin. If people want to find you or get more information, how do they find you? I'm a discount fishing tackle, 2645 South Santa Fe Drive, which is six blocks south of Evans on the west side of Santa Fe. All right, my friend, we'll talk to you again very soon. Thank you so much, Terry. You bet. Austin, always such a great resource. Tell you what, we're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to talk some more waterfall. There's a lot of great waterfall opportunities on the west slope of Colorado in addition to other opportunities. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We are going to go right to the phones and joining us from a list of parks, Crawford, Paonia, Schweitzer, is uh, Scott Risk. Good morning, Scott. Hey, good morning, Terry. Is it as beautiful over there today? I looked on the weather map like the whole state was full of sunshine. Um, I think we're supposed to be like mid-60s today. Yeah, it's crystal clear bluebird sky over here today. Yeah, so we won't be doing any ice fishing on Crawford this week. Uh, no, Crawford does, tends not to freeze over until later December. It, you know, being a warm body lake, it, it takes a while. Yeah, well, in fact, why don't you tell people about kind of a little bit about the three parks and where they're located? So Crawford Reservoir is located in Delta County um, on a extreme north or southeast corner of the county uh, off of Highway 92 on the north side of Black Canyon. Um, down in a little valley, it's a 400-acre reservoir, uh, has 64 campsites around it. 
Um, you know, the main activity is fishing, water skiing in the summer. You know, we're heading into ice fishing. Uh, people do really well ice fishing on crappies and perch there, northern pike and rainbow trout. Um, we've also turned it into a trophy large rough uh, bass fishery. So 18 plus inches is keepers there. Um, Peony Reservoir is in Gunnison County off of Highway 132, right below the beautiful Ragged Mountains. Um, this time of year, it's closed. Uh, the, you know, the reservoir is used for irrigation. They pretty much drain that lake dry every year. And then lastly is Schweitzer Lake, which is just a mile south of the town of Delta. Uh, it's a day-use park only. Um, you know, in the summer, it's really big on boating, swimming. But the big event right now is duck hunting now through the end of the season. Yeah, well, you know, there's just a great variety of activities there. I want to spend some time on the duck hunting, but before we get to that, let's go back to Crawford. Once you have campsites, is it available for winter camping? Is it through the year? Uh, yeah, so we keep uh, 34 sites open year round. Uh, this year, there's water, electricity available at the site. Um, you know, and once we start getting some snow, uh, we try to keep 10 open, depending on how much snow we get. Uh, but, you know, the popular thing nowadays is with modern campers is guys come in and plug into the site and then go ice fishing all day and then come back to their nice warm camper, uh, you know, and clean their fish and ha- have a good good day fishing. Well, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, there's nothing wrong right now with coming over and taking advantage of some of that fishing uh, with the open water. I don't know if you have boat landings open, but sure, from shore you could. And uh yeah. And and it's uh, it, it's not crowded this time of the year in a lot of places. Uh, correct. Yeah, if you were to come right now, um, you'd be probably one of five people in the entire campground. So plenty of rooms, plenty of space to be by yourself. And, you know, the, the days are perfect right now. The nights, you know, it, it's probably low, mid-teens at night. But, you know, the modern camper, that's no big deal for you. No, you're absolutely right. Now, are you guys on the new reservation system for your campsites at Crawford yet, or, or are you still like a first-come, first-serve? How do you handle that? So so in the winter, we do go to just the first-come, first-serve because uh, it, it's slow enough that we don't have to worry about, uh, you know, reservations and anything. And, and our reservations won't kick back in until mid-May, right before Memorial Day weekend. All right, that's great. Let's talk now about the waterfall, though. I don't know if you got to hear any. I was talking to... Austin Parr, and you and I talked a little bit earlier, and I think you're experiencing kind of the same thing. Here on the Front Range, uh, well, there's some mountain areas that are very popular for hunting here, like North Park and even the San Luis Valley, but North Park and especially. But once those resident ducks move out of there, and that ices up fairly quickly. In fact, it is iced up. You don't get a lot of migratory ducks. And for a while, we weren't seeing the migratory ducks here on the Front Range either, and geese. And then that cold spell came about a week ago, and those ducks from Saskatchewan and Montana started moving south, and we were afraid it was going to stay cold, and they'd go right by. But it warmed up. Those ducks are coming in now, and they're staying. Is that what you're seeing at uh, Schweitzer, too? Yeah. So, uh, you know, first season, the resident ducks, you know, uh, got shot at and, you know, harvested. But now, with that cold front, all of a sudden, we saw a large influx of ducks and geese um just this week uh on tuesday uh there was probably 300 geese and probably another 300 ducks out on the reservoir and since we only allow hunting on 
Saturday, Sunday, Wednesdays, and National Recognized Holidays, you know, the ducks get a couple days off and they get comfortable, especially if they're migrating in from up north and even out of the mountain ranges that everything's starting to freeze up. So because it's a really warm water lake, it's one of the last things to freeze in the valley. Well, and what happens, too, because it so stays open, those ducks are going to rest there for as long as they can, and they're going to come through and stop. And uh, you know, today might not be the best with these bluebird skies. I'm not a good enough caller to get them in today. but so And my shotgun doesn't shoot that far, but I'll bet you get some pretty good. Now, a lot of the blinds, you have blinds at the lake, I understand. A lot of the hunting areas that uh, Parks and Wildlife provides have reservations, but that's not true at Schweitzer. Is that right? Correct. So we, we have five blinds set up for people. Um, they are first come, first serve, but you can hunt the entire lake within where the regulations allow. Um, we On the north side of the lake is kind of a walk-in area, and, and guys who walk into that north side of the lake tend to do a little better because they're the only ones there versus the south side of the lake can get a little crowded. Uh, three of the five blinds are on that south side, and, and when it's you know, approximately a mile long lake, it, it starts to get a little crowded in there. So now, um, you're a, it's a day use park, Schweitzer. So how early in the morning can they walk into those hunting areas? Um, so during hunting season, we leave the gates open. Um, you know, this morning we talked to some guys and they, they, they started showing up about 4am, you know, to get out there and get their, get a, get the spot they wanted and, Get, get their decoys out in the water. Uh, so, you know, we, we've had guys show up at 10, 10 p.m. the night before. We kind of ask them not to do that, but we, we don't really regulate because we know that the hunters need to get out there and put their uh, decoys out. All right. Now, as far as ice conditions coming up, it's a tremendous ice fishing opportunity over there for panfish, which people who are, a lot of people moved here from the Midwest, but you said we can start looking for that maybe towards the holiday season. Is that when you think? Yeah, correct. Uh, Crawford, we usually tell people right around the holidays, it starts to get safe. Uh, you know, and we test, tell people to test as they go. And we, we get out and test it now and then and let people know. But, it, you know, ultimately that responsibility falls on them to make sure it's safe. So uh, we, we would say right around the holidays. Sounds like a great place to head out for a weekend right now when it's not crowded. You could do a little hunting, do a little fishing, do a little camping, and take it right on into the winter. Scott, thanks for joining us. Sounds like you got some great stuff going on. All right. Well, thanks for having me, Terry. You bet. That's Scott Rist from over on the West Slope. Great stuff. We're going to take you to another park over on the West Slope when we come back and talk some reservation-type waterfall hunting that's available and a lot of activities. You know, it stays a little nicer over on that side of the mountain sometimes, and uh, there's just tremendous activities from now through the winter. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Dire Straits. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going to go right to the phones because patiently waiting from the um, another park over on the west west slope, we have uh, we have Pete Furman from the uh, park over there, the Rob State Park, and I stumbled on the name, Pete. It's the it's the John M James M Rob State Park. So yeah, it's James M Rob Colorado River State Park. Yeah, you know it's a it's a 
it's not only hard for me to remember the name, but it's a different kind of park. So <laughs> why don't you yeah, kind of explain it's, the it's park? It's a river-based park. It's basically got five uh, larger um, park sections, uh, and then much of it is linked by a riverfront trail that spans throughout the Grand Valley here in Grand Junction. Right, and that's a great way for people to know how to locate it. It's right along the valley, just just this, uh, just outside of Grand Junction, right? Uh, yeah, it goes through Grand Junction, so basically it's east of Palisade down to Fruta uh, yep. to include Grand Junction. And it's got some beautiful amenities. In fact, we're going to talk um, some more waterfall hunting with you, but there's a lot of other things. I believe you have year-round camping, don't you? Yeah, we have year-round camping, and the two sections with camping uh, are Island Acres, which is that's the one east of Palisade, and then Fruta, which is you know essentially within the Fruta, city of Fruta city limits. Um, and that's the span of the park. So those two wings both have camping in them. Now, are you on the new reservation system? Yeah, yes, we are. Uh, so there's a reservation system for camping, but also we're on the reservation system for waterfowl hunting, and it's the same phone number, same access point for both of those. Uh, and one of the things that's new this year is reservations are required for the waterfowl hunting blinds, and new for the you know the year coming up basically is you're going to have reservation only camping. So camping reservations are going to be required, but you can make them real time. You can essentially arrive, make the reservation, and uh, take care of it that way, or or be leaving Denver um, and be able to make the reservation on the way over. Historically, the camping reservation was a three to six month window. And now it's essentially real time to six month window that you're looking at. And I think this is going. It's more and more of the parks. Eventually, I think all the parks will be on it for camping. And I think it just works out wonderfully because a lot of times you get an opportunity to take that last minute trip. You can look and see if there's openings, or you're driving around not sure where you want to go. You can pull into the park, and if you see a campsite, get your phone out. And if you have phone service there. You can either call or go online and, and, and reserve it right then. So it's a tremendous system. I think more people are getting used to it, but I think as more and more of the parks get on, it's going to be, it's going to be better. Now, another thing about your camping down there is it isn't only the activities in the parks. You're kind of in the hub of uh, you've, there's trail riding, there's the wine uh, country. There's just a number of things right there for people to do. Yeah, there's a lot of recreational opportunities in Grand Junction and, and the Mesa County area, and it continues to expand. Uh, so on the, the east side, so Palisade and, and Island Acres, and you've got initial development of the Palisade Plunge going on, and that's going to be a mountain bike trail that takes you from the top of the Mesa uh, roughly 34 miles down into Palisade, and it's a 6,000 foot elevation uh, drop, uh, so it's that's why it's the plunge, uh, but they've completed the first third of that, uh, and they'll continue working on that next year, and then you also have uh, a linkage to from Grand Junction to the Lunch Loops or Top Watch Trail system uh, near the National Monument, and that's been created this year, and then you've got a link between City of Fruta and Loma, so people could stay at the park in Fruta get on their mountain bike and literally ride to the uh, Cocopelli trail system um, and ride that area and, and really uh, use the park as a hub for any one of those activities. And like, I think you told me this, that would be an over a 40 mile ride if you did it all. Uh, if you did the Palisade plunge, I mean, that's 34 miles. Uh, if, if I'm understanding things, maybe it's Island acres to Fruta. Yeah. You could uh, be on trails, 
essentially from Palisade. You'd have to start in Palisade. There's no link from Palisade to Island Acres right now. But if you get on uh, the trail in Palisade, you could essentially ride to Loma, and that would be 40 miles. And Island Acres has some fishing opportunities too, right? Uh, just about all the park sections have fishing opportunities. Um, so Island Acres uh, is primarily going to be for trout, but you also have some bass that you can catch over there. And then uh, Fruta, it's pretty much trout and crappie. Um, and then kind of the middle parks, Connected Lakes, what's called the Wildlife Area and Corn Lake, those all have uh, warm and cold water species also that folks can fish for. And that's open water and ice fishing, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, kind of here the temperatures are mild enough that some years we do ice over. Uh, others, it stays ice-free throughout the, the wintertime. Uh, so usually the ice fishing season, if it does get cold enough, is about a month. Uh, otherwise, it's open water fishing. Let's talk about those those hunting blinds now. We're seeing more and more people are understanding what a great place to hunt waterfall Colorado is because we have virtually two flyways and the western part of the state you're in the Pacific Flyway, and we, I don't know if you heard any of the earlier parts of the show. We've been talking some waterfall, and a lot of waterfall, uh, resident waterfall, got chased away earlier in the year, and we got that extreme cold weather that came a week or so ago, and it started driving both ducks and geese down from Montana and even Saskatchewan and those areas, and at first we were fearful it was going to stay cold and they'd go right by us, but... It's opened up and it's warm, and I think we're seeing migratory birds come in, and we will, and they're tending to stay. Is that what's happening where you're at? Yeah, and, and Terry, I had a little bit of difficulty understanding you, the question, but um, the the flyway over here or the, the early hunting season that we had over here, that was probably more successful than I've seen uh, any year since I've been here just because of those cold temperatures and some of the uh, storms that came in that pushed the birds and um, whereas normally it's clear size, you know, warm weather, uh, and we don't see as much success this last winter, we actually, or this last uh, season, we actually saw a fair amount of success, uh, and we're starting to see some success with this season that just started. Now, unlike some of the other areas, your blinds are on the reservation system. How does that work? Okay, so the reservation system, uh, you can go online, and, and that window is 0 to 14 days. So same thing with the camping. You can make a reservation immediately, and it's actually required for the blinds over here. Um, so you'd go onto the website, or you would call the 1-800 number, and that's 1-800-244-5613, and see if the blinds are open. You can make the reservation real time and then occupy it. Um, and the properties I manage, uh, the reservation is actually required to hunt the blind. So there's no cost associated with the reservation, and there's no cost for the camping either. Um, but because of some of the unique characteristics within my park, we do require the, that folks have reservations. And how many blinds do you have? Uh, I have six blinds on the park that I manage. Okay, and I'm sure there's probably some other opportunities around you also in wildlife areas and things, right? Correct. Uh, so you've got Tillman Bishop Wildlife Area that has some blinds, and then uh, you've got the blinds down at Horse Thief Canyon uh, State Wildlife Area. You know, it's just great that the parks has stepped up to provide all these resources for uh, for waterfall hunters because there's a lot of places where you have to pay huge dollars to go waterfall hunting, and with the blind systems they supply, you guys supply, just gives uh, the average guy a chance to get out and do some hunting 
So I'm sure there's more information on the website. There is more information on the website, and I guess I'll give a uh, shout-out to the waterfowl hunting proper, uh, public. Um, a lot of the habitat work we've done on my park was funded from the habitat stamps and the duck, you know, the waterfowl stamps that those hunters provide. And so it seemed reasonable, as long as it can be done safely, uh, to add those opportunities within the park. And as long as it's compatible with the trail use, uh, I don't see an issue with it. So, you know, it's been a great partnership, for lack of a way to put it, and really has allowed us to improve the condition of the park for everyone's benefit. That sounds great, Pete. Thank you for joining us and making the public aware of these opportunities. All right. Thanks, sir. You bet. That's Pete Furman from over there. West Slope has great opportunities. By the way, we're going to be talking to Mark Kite from Sun Power Sports here in just a minute. And you have you ever seen the trail riding opportunities over there on the West Slope? We'll talk about that and so much more on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. And speaking of Sun, we're going right to the phones where we are joined by Mark Kite. Good morning, Mark. Hey, good morning, Terry. You know, you look out the window today, Mark, and you'd say, I need to go get an ATV. We were talking to the parks over on the western slope, and they have some incredible trail riding opportunities over there. You almost think, well, I should go get one and take advantage of this nice weather. But this nice weather and having an ATV is a wonderful thing, but Mother Nature could turn on us pretty quick. I think we got a sign of that last week. So when you get that ATV, make sure it's set up for your winter activities too, huh? Yeah, no doubt about it. There's some, to your first point, no question, there's some phenomenal, phenomenal riding in Colorado, which is, you know, it's just awesome. And this time of the year is just, it's so beautiful up in the mountains right now, you know, and uh, just checking out the leaves and the leaf changing and, you know, going backwoods to do some fishing or even just trail riding, all that's awesome. But you're absolutely right. I mean, right now, this time of the year, you know, we're selling a ton of ATVs. We're super busy today already, you know, just beautiful, beautiful day. But uh, we've got a lot of stuff on the floor already set up for that weather change, you know know whether you're ice fishing or snow plowing or whatever and, and we've got a lot of stuff there going on no oh, absolutely right and let's talk i want to get to the ice fishing because you and i both you've fished with me you understand how mobility can improve your ability to catch fish and the opportunities we have to take motorized vehicles on the ice in colorado but let's talk about the snow removing capabilities now you also have snow blowers but let's talk and we know the snow's coming we had a taste of it already and if you've got that longer driveway or that maybe a, a complex of sidewalks, boy, does it can it save your back at my age, or in my case, Karen's back. Don't say I said that, though. Um, by having an ATV set up to plow that. Yeah, no doubt. You know, we do a ton of ATV and side-by-sides with snowplow setups. Um, you know, the ATV stuff, you know, you can get plows width of sidewalks. So you can run them down sidewalks, which is nice. Um, you know, we have a lot of residential folks who use ATVs with snowplows on them to plow driveways with. And then on the commercial side, you know, um, you know, we go up from there. So we do a lot of side-by-side stuff with full cab systems and heaters and, you know, the whole deal to, um, you know, to, to do bigger areas, you know, for the landscape companies and stuff like that. But, yeah, no matter matter how big or small, um, you know, we've, we've got you covered as far as rem- snow removal for sure. Well, and you've got the snowblowers too. We do. You know, we carry a full line of the Honda snowblowers and, you know, it's amazing. You know, Honda's just such a great company. They really are. And it's amazing the technology in the new snowblowers. You know, you wouldn't think so when you, you know, a snowblower's a snowblower, but I'll tell you what, I, 
encourage everybody, if you're looking at a snowblower, to check out the new Honda line of snowblowers. They're really, really impressive. Well, you're absolutely right. And, you know, it, it, people wait till they get that first big snow and then they have to shovel it. You know, folks, the time to buy it is now. Have it ready to go. But let's move on to ice fishing because that happens to be something, as you know, that's near and dear to my heart. You've spent some time on the ice uh, with me a few trips. And every one of those trips, we took ATVs with us, whether they were wheeled or tracked. And I think as an avid angler yourself, I think it was pretty obvious that if we didn't have that ability to move around because we were on lakes like Granby, we were on um, up up in Wyoming on some of the lakes. We were just did a number of different things, and the fish weren't always where we started, Mark. Yeah, no question. Boy, I'll tell you what, it's a, uh, you know, they, 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 they're, they're so fitting, you know, on the ice. And I don't know, you know, that necessarily everybody understands that you're absolutely right. You know, you know, you get a lot of snow cover and it's not just ice all the time, you know, and a lot of snow covers and drifting on top of the lakes and stuff like that. And, you know, some of the track stuff on ATVs really helps get through that. Um, you know, the, uh, to your point, you know, I can't tell you how many times, you know, on, on our trips, you know, we've moved around, you know, like you just said, you know, fish aren't here and then, and, and it makes you so much more mobile. You know, you can get around and get to the fish, and, um, you know, it's just they're just such good tools to help you with the fishing. Well, and I think there's a lot of people that don't realize we have a number of lakes right here in Colorado, not to mention the surrounding states where you can take a motorized vehicle. Um, I mentioned Granby. You can go anywhere in a four-wheel, uh, in a ATV once. Of course, you got to make sure there's good firm ice. Always, you know, be checking that. Uh, Glendale Reservoir in Wyoming is another one we fished using ATVs. And then you know, people don't, lakes like Stagecoach Reservoir, you know, I have to check each lake in Colorado. Lake John, they actually drive trucks out, but an ATV would be so much better to get around. Now, the one question, if I buy an ATV with a track system, I'm able to switch that back and forth to a wheel system for summer use, right? Yeah, that's a super great question, you know, absolutely. So, you know, the track setup is, uh, you know, it takes a little time the first time around because all the bracketry that goes on the ATV. But, you know, after that, you know, the swap back and forth from, from track to tire is only about a half hour, 45 minutes. So, yeah, very, very, very easy to go back and forth. And so it really is a year-round rig, absolutely. Well, and the time to buy stuff for winter, whether it's snow removal or ice fishing or winter trail riding, whatever you're going to do, just do it now, folks. Be ready. All your outdoor activities, don't wait till you're into them and you rush and make a bad decision. Tell them how they find you, Mark. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find us on the web at sunent.com, or you can find us right here at our store at uh, 89th and Washington. You take I-25 to the 84th Avenue exit. East two blocks to Pearl Street, come up Pearl. You can't miss us. Five-acre campus, no way you can miss us. All right. We're going to have to get out on the ice again this year, my friend. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Mark Kite from Sun Power Sports. Great, great partner. You know, Speaking of great partners, um, we're going to do a trivia question coming up here in the next hour, and we're going to start our Masters of Ice Fishing series or our Legends of Ice Fishing uh, we're going to start that as Brian Bro Brosdahl joins us this week in the second hour. Gabe, uh, Dave Gens is going to join us in a couple weeks, and then uh, Greg Claudio and a few others as we go on. So you want to stay tuned for that. But what you really need to, need to stay tuned for is uh, Nate Zielinski after this quick timeout. 